0: Hi friends, Dominica here. Before jumping into this week's episode, there is a trigger warning. The episode mentions thoughts of suicide, abuse, and violence that is not suitable for younger ears. The guest I have with me on the show is Marie Christine Williams, and she is a survivor of the 1994 Rwandan genocide. She chose not to dive deep into her story of what was her past, but instead focused on where she is today and her triumph over darkness. But to provide you with a little context to our conversation, here is just a very brief introduction to her incredible story. At just three months old, Marie Christine was abandoned by her mother and abused by her father. And from the ages of seven to 14, she was also bullied by her classmates. And during that time, she ran from death squads for 100 days during the 1994 Rwandan massacre. After the genocide, she couldn't walk and had scars all over her head, face, and body from gunshot wounds and machete slashes. Today, she travels around the country speaking at universities and military bases. Welcome back to another episode of Tuesday D with me, your host, Sweet D. And today, I have just one of the most incredible women with me on the podcast, Marie-Christine Williams is here. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? So good. And again, I'm just, I'm honored that you are here with me. Your story is just huge. You're a mom, you're an author, soon to have a movie made all about your story. So for our listeners, do you mind just telling them a little bit about where you come from, part of your story, if you wouldn't mind, and then we'll, we'll jump into, I have so I have so many questions. I'm so excited to talk to you. So please <laughs> let the listeners know more about who you are.
1: My name is Marie-Christine Williams. Uh, I was born in Bucharest, Romania, and I grew up in Rwanda. It was a genocide uh, in 1994 when I was just 14 years old. Uh, Life was completely different during the time of genocide. Even before then, uh, life wasn't easy as a mixed child uh,
0: Mm.
1: in the third world country. Um, I was abused by everyone, and basically, I was treated different. And life was bad from the beginning of my life, you know. Mm. Um, so, um, looking back about where I came from and my story and the things I went through, I'm so grateful today. I want to get that off the way because people. Have to understand why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing Mm. and why I became a speaker. I just believe that we all have stories. It doesn't matter where you came from and your background. Mm. We are all survivors in our own ways, you Mm. know, have stories.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely. Well, knowing that.
0: You came from such an intense background, your history with the abuse and the violence and having to survive essentially on your own. What does it feel like to get up and speak to so many? I mean, you you speak at military bases. I mean, you you speak all over, all over the place. What is it like to continue to tell your story over and over again? Does it feel like you're having to relive it or is it more like you're just sharing the passion now for what it means to be a survivor?
1: So, you know, uh, many survivors, uh, I firstly tell people, you don't have to be a survivor of a genocide to be a survivor. Uh, we all have stories, but mm-hmm. it's how you share your story that impact people. Because yeah. for me, I remember the first time I shared my story uh, in a girl's uh, uh is it, it, a place here in Nisanguas where where is abused kids and mm. women and stuff. Mm. So I shared my story there. I remember the first time I went home crying. I just couldn't believe that I opened up. So when I got home, I thought like, oh, my God something changed in me in a positive ways. Um, I started finding value in opening up and sharing my story and empowering people and telling them, hey, if I survived, look what I went through. If I made it out, if I found myself, I found peace, I found hope in my wrath, you can do it too. Mm. So it gave me courage to get out there and share my story and open up and hug people and love on people who's struggling. And it's a blessing that I can look back and actually see values in the things I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's
0: everything. That's everything. So much, so much beauty can come from trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, and I, I talk about that a lot just in my own life. I've, I've gone through some pretty traumatic experiences, but to be able to get to the other side of it and look back and go, whoa, yes, that's a part of who I am, but it's yeah. not where I am today. Mm-hmm. And now we can go on to help other people. And the sad part about that for me is I know there's a lot of people that can't get to that side who unfortunately have chosen alternative routes, right? Either taking mm-hmm. their own life or whatever might
1: the case mm-hmm. be for
0: them, whether they're turning to addiction or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so, um, I just admire you so much for for not only for what you've been through, but just now that you've turned it into a business for yourself. Yeah, and um, I think that's just it's it's an absolute beautiful thing. So, when
1: did you actually leave Rwanda,
0: if I may ask?
1: Okay, so basically, uh, at the end of the genocide, I was hit. They hit me with machete and they threw me off the bridge to die. And uh, someone found me. Um, it was actually the end of the genocide that someone found me laying dead bodies. He took me to a hospital at the hospital. Empty hospital was nothing there. So I was broken. Um, I was not just broken from outside. I was actually broken from inside. And um, I was for four years. I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. I was angry. Life was hard. So mm-hmm. my grandmother took me back. She found me somehow and she took me back to, to Europe. And so wow. I did a lot of surgeries. I did knee replacements. I did hip replacements. I had to revert the skull on my forehead. Mm-hmm. Life was tough. So I was angry. I was suicidal. I didn't see a way out. Mm-hmm. I hated my life so much that I didn't feel like I was life. my life was ended, you know, I didn't see a future. And, um, Mm. but slowly, when the doctors told me, Hey, you will never walk again. Then something happened that changed everything. You know, I started feeling my toes. The doctors, mm-hmm. they would walk in, they would tell me, you will never walk again. We're going to have to empty your left leg. so damaged. You have a lot of, uh, you lost. It was really horrible as a child hearing the doctors coming in and telling me, hey, um, you might, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life because um, you have tetanus, you know, you because you were not treated from infections when from the wounds so you have more you know uh chronical problems and uh on top of that i couldn't feel even feel part of my face so i was broken and i became so suicidal like anything i got hands on i thought like i just want to die i wanted to end it and so when i furred my toes and i started feeling my feet i started feeling the skin on my legs Mm-hmm. I changed my mind wow. I'm like no I want to leave I'm gonna walk my determination was to walk again and then when I started with really feeling my legs I graduated from a wheelchair chair to um, crutches I slowly I did the treatment and surgeries repairing my legs you know what I found mm-hmm. hope I wanted to change my life. I was tired of being angry and being sad and hiding from people. I wanted to change my life, you know, Mm -hmm. and I did it in a way that I went to school. I did everything everybody did. I started flipping houses since when I was uh, almost 18. Mm -hmm. I became like, uh, I remember my grandfather giving me, uh, they gave me like 10 grand, uh, 10,000 francs. Um, and I went and I, the first thing I wanted, I wanted to buy a tiny little house for myself. Mm-hmm. And I I saw right uh mm-hmm. when I didn't see any way out. So it's so important people to understand. Mm-hmm. Um when I was about to give up, I found hope. And to me, when you have hope, you find is like it's like a puzzle. You know, a puzzle is not completed until you actually um, you know complete the, the, the last piece, you know And for me once I found peace then I found hope.
0: Mm. I
1: found forgiveness. I started forgiving people who did what they did to me mm. so I can move on with my life. Mm. And with hope, when
0: one has hope, that means there's hope for the future, right? Yes. There's
1: like this this sense of we're moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because when is a lot of anger and you're not just angry because you're just angry, you're angry because you're looking in the mirror, you look different. And when you look in the mirror, you don't recognize yourself. You're so broken. And then your heart is shattered from painful memories. It's very hard to get out of it. But I always tell people, if you really want to get out of your struggles, you can. So I tell them, hey, do one thing a day. Find something you love, a hobby, something you love doing. Find someone you care for. Hug them be around the people. Don't hide behind the doors and cry all day. People cares about you. People cares about your problems. If you open up, you would find peace as much as I did, you know?
0: Wow. Yeah. That's really, really powerful. So then for those listening who are struggling right now, what would you say to them would be the first step to get out of that cycle, that pattern of just the constant struggle? What's, what's the, the best first step to find the light to get
1: out of that? I would tell them opening up. About your your problem is very important. It mm-hmm. took me to over 20 years to open up completely about my entire life. Mm-hmm. Opening up is a healing process. Open up to somebody you love, get counseling, go get help. Don't be shy about crying and getting it out. Mm-hmm. Because the more you keep inside of you, it's, it's, it's not going to get any better. More you keep inside of you. It's going to damage you even more. You're going to miss out good opportunities. And people that who cares and loves you, who wants to see you happy, you're breaking the heart. So open up, share your story, because your story might help somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And every story matters. I really believe that. I really believe every single person we're all here for a greater purpose. It's mm. my it's my view. Whether, you know, someone believes in a higher power, God, power of prayer, all of that, I'm 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 into it, right? I'm yes, I'm me
1: too.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> I feel like it's really important. So then can I ask you that then, unless it's too personal, but how did your faith play a role in sending you on this new journey, this new path to building your
1: business to what it is today? Okay, so for me, when I was seven years old, when I moved to Rwanda, mm-hmm. uh, before then I was in Europe, my my grandmother used to take me to um, um synagogue, okay, which was wonderful. Then when I moved, my father was Catholic. So then when I moved to Rwanda, I was baptized in Catholic. But for me, I just believed that I wanted to find my own path with the connection with whatever. I wanted whatever I believed in. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to a church uh across to our neighborhood. And that church was Bible-based church. Okay. I loved the way they empowered me. Mm-hmm. I used to go home uh sad. My father was very abusive towards me. He used mm-hmm. to lock me up in the closet. I remember crying to God, like, please God, help me. Please God. Come and save me. I believe in you. And that saved me during the Rwandan genocide, just when I just turned 14. Because every time I hid, I just kind of felt like I was invisible to those people. They were hunting people everywhere. But for some reason, I was invisible to them. And I believe that God guided me to be where I am today so I can share his testimony. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I sit back and wonder, like, wow, I'm still here. I, I'm still wondering, how did I get out of that genocide alive? Everybody I knew growing up, they died. The uh, Some of them, they became Completely uh, disabled, lost their legs or arms. And, uh, you know, and I'm looking at myself today and I'm like, God wasn't done with me. So I don't care if someone believes in higher power. I don't believe, I don't care what religion someone is in. I love everybody. Just believe in something, believe in yourself and believe that no matter what you believe in, you have to follow the path of what makes you happy, and hmm. mine is God, and I'm grateful. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Well,
0: tell us about your book. I'm I'm curious about your book, and is it is it the is it the full story about really like okay, so it's it's the whole story. Wow. Yeah. When did you
1: when did you decide to write to write it? So actually, it's 2014. Um, so before that, it was, um, I started doing a therapy with uh, a doctor because I became a widow at age 26. Oh my so gosh. I was, yeah, that's what? how I, it, yes. Stop. So my uh, first <laughs> husband, no. uh, he was from Sango with Missouri. Mm-hmm. So he died in 2008. And unfortunately, you know, He died so quickly, uh, and I didn't even have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. Then I moved here, and I felt guilty about not sharing everything with him. That's Mm -hmm. why I tell your listeners, open up. Talk to people who love you. Uh, Because of that, I decided that it it was about time for me to open up. So I used to write down about my day the things I went through in my past, just for personal journey. And I decided that to share with people because I decided to make it a book because I felt guilty. I had a husband I cared for so much and I never told him my personal life. He knew Mm -hmm. about Rwandan genocide. He knew that my mother was European. He knew where I came from. Uh, but I never told him details about my life. So mm. I opened up about writing the book, The Dark Side mm. of Human Nature, the Rwandan Massacre of April 1994. So my book started from the day I was born, mm. how my parents met, and how my father went from Rwanda to Romania to school there. Mm. And then my book goes all the way when I moved back to Rwanda and the full story of genocide and how I ended up here in Sangoist. Wow. Incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. So if listeners wanted to get that book for themselves to read, what's the best way they can do that?
1: Either they can go to Amazon, and uh, or the easiest way to find me quickly is if you go on my website, uh, either mariechristinwilliams.com or triumphoverdarkness.com. Um, my book is published everywhere, so um easy, easy to find so
0: excellent. I'll yeah. make sure I have links to all of that in in the show notes so now okay you've you've gone from having this incredible book and now it's being made into a movie yes, oh so tell us about that who's directing
1: it? How did this all come about? okay, so um so four years ago um it it was very. Funny because I have a friend that he's in he's big in the movie industry. He uh anyways talked about my book and talked about you know to his producers about me. And it was this one guy, uh, his name is Tony Adler. He um he worked with him for many years and he done so many movies. Um uh and he works with the Branton's firms. Uh so he started. He Out to me, he's like, Hey, are you interested? Are you open on working with us? You know, we're a very good team. You know, um, I was not interested because I didn't want to go that far, Mm -hmm. but he kept he never gave up, so he kept reaching out to me. And a year and a half ago, I was like, You know what, I'm gonna just let him run with it. And before I know it, um, this. Another man came along. His name is Kies van Ostrom. He's going to be the director of the uh, project. Um, he's actually uh, president of international firms. And so he's part of our project. Then we have this another guy. He's a wonderful writer who is uh, our um, uh, writer. He's awesome. His name is uh, John Shedd. Um, so I have a very good team. So. We are actually thinking maybe end of next year we will be done. And wow. uh yeah, so it's exciting. It's very exciting. Has the cast already been selected for it? Or are you we in the process are do yes. So we are doing this. uh our the people we have in mind, they will be available in December and January. So we're hoping we'll be done casting between December and at least end of January twenty twenty three. Incredible. Oh my wow. gosh. How, how amazing to be approached by
0: professionals that says, hey, your story, we want to make that a movie. We want to share your journey with the world.
1: I wow. was very shocked and I was very surprised in a sense because uh, going back briefly on what we were saying is sometimes you just have to open up and share your story. Your story has values. So these directors and producers, these are values in my story. And I'm very excited in, because I like to give back to the community. I like uh, helping teenage suicide teenagers. And so this is going to open up more doors for me to actually help more people. So that's very exciting.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. ab- absolutely. Well, I want to touch back on a little bit, if we can, just talking about just over overcoming, getting through traumatic experiences in general, and I'm coming back to that word trauma, because I feel like, and I can only speak to my personal life, but I feel like when trauma happens, there's something that happens in the brain where we just sort of like go into survival mode Mm -hmm. and the, and the feelings get stuffed down and it's like, nope, the brain just can't process that. Have you experienced later on in life, because that happened when you were 14. And now many years later, have you experienced memories that have come up that mm-hmm. you thought, whoa, like, where did that come from? Or they just kind of came out of left field? Has that happened to you?
1: Yes, many times. Basically, mm-hmm. this is how I feel about your question. So during after the genocide, it was you had to take day by the day. I used to think like, okay, this is a dream. It's a dream. I'm just dreaming. I really didn't think exactly that stuff happened to me. And looking back, I used to sit down and jump off the chair and I'm like, I can't believe I made it. I would just start crying. I would get anger. I would walk around the house and talking to myself and asking myself, why me? Why me? Why all of this bad stuff? How do not to happen to me? Why I have to suffer my entire life? Why my mother abandoned me when I was three months old? What did I do wrong? I mean, I really ask myself so many questions. And the anger and the sadness and depression would be there. If, you know, if I would sit all day just depressed, Um not wanting to talk to anyone. I would hide from my friends. I would cut everybody off for for a couple of months Mm -hmm. because I'm angry. And yes, it was so many times, uh, I would just kind of, I got a reminder in my mind. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that happened to me, you know? Then I would now start thinking, okay, all that happened to me when I was 14, 14 and younger. And now I'm this age and I'm a widow. I can't believe I would lose the father to my son who, you know, the person I trusted, the only person I trusted is gone. Yeah, the anger would come in. So it's very easy to be angry. It's very easy to think about the negativities of the past and the nightmares we went through. But it's harder to say, okay, I'm going through all of this. What can I do to actually make changes in my life? That's why it took me over 20 years to actually accept myself and accept my past and accept my painful life. Okay, now where I go from here, if you really want to get out of all that depression and anger and sadness, you have to ask yourself what okay where, where, where i where I go from there and what I do from now on, mm-hmm. then you have to start the planning for tomorrow. Plan a future, plan something, something that you love, get involved in the community. Get around if people when you're sad. Don't hide and don't cut people off. Yeah, that's, you know? the, that's the key to not cut people
0: off. And even, hmm. even you said that you shut people out when you mm-hmm. go, go into that that dark space. But something that I want to touch on a little bit here is the importance of not discounting or discrediting what happened in the past and how important it is that when that trauma or memory comes back up that we can look at it and go okay now our brains are able to digest what the heck happened and let's talk about it find mm-hmm. someone you trust
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and I know that you talk a lot about that as well is find the help
1: find mm-hmm. the help cuz it's out there it's out so there you, yes like for me i used to sit back and be so like i used i i was never comfortable sharing my story with people mm. because Growing up, um, I was brainwashed. Mm. People used to tell me that I was worthless, whatever, you know. And growing up, I can't believe that, you know, it's easy to be depressed based on how you grew up. Basically, like if you were abused, you grew up uh, in a household where you were beaten every day and you. They treated it like you were nothing. It's very easy to believe that. It's Mm -hmm. easy to believe like nobody cares. Nobody's gonna care about my story. Nobody's gonna want to listen to me. If I tell you my friends are gonna run away from me, that's how I used to Mm feel. But I can tell you one thing: is once I accepted my past and I knew I couldn't change it, I had to find a way to live a life I never had. Mm -hmm. I wanted to build empire for my future children. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be a good example. I wanted to show people that that was my past, but here I am today. And this is what I'm doing. This is how I built my life. I became a business owner. I I started flipping houses since I was very young. Uh, I went to school. I did everything everybody did. And I wanted to have a better life than I had growing up. That's why I had to get out of the depression and work hard and get to get what I wanted to be. And you've done it. You have. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you
0: so much for sharing just an ounce of your story with our listeners. And Again, I'll have the link to uh, her book in the show notes. It's available everywhere, like she said, but I'll I'll absolutely put the links there. If our listeners um, are interested in connecting more with you and your business, what's the best way for them to do that? On LinkedIn or Instagram?
1: Uh, Anywhere. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I am on actually wherever they feel comfortable reaching out to me. And if someone is struggling and you have a question, please feel free to email me. You can reach me to my website. I'm here to help. Incredible. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. For, for taking this time. Truly. It's it's an honor to chat with you.
1: I'm grateful to be here with you. Thank you so much.